Hello, everybody. My name is Nkozi, and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week, we are only going to talk about one movie, and that is the biggest movie to come out this week or even this month, and that is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This movie is so big that instead of splitting my review between two movies or two TV shows or a movie and a TV show, we are just going to talk about this. So since I'm changing the script a little bit, I'm going to walk you through how it's going to happen. The first part of this review is going to be a non-spoiler review where I'm not going to give away any details. And then the second half of the review is going to be a spoiler-filled review where I'm going to talk in depth about this movie. So pay attention to the tag in the description and you'll know when the spoiler discussion comes up and let's get into it. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is a sequel to the 2008 movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The titular character in both these movies is Spider-Man, but not the usual Spider-Man that most people are familiar with. This takes place with Miles Morales, who is the Puerto Rican black Spider-Man. He has become well-known in the canon over the past decade or two, and he's really come into his own in terms of the comic book side of things where he is just as much spider-man as peter parker is spider-man even though they do have their differences in terms of powers and how they operate in the day-to-day so in the first movie spider-man into the spider-verse It was mostly an origin story, and really it was Miles Morales coming into his own as Spider-Man, in him taking up the mantle and truly learning what it meant not only in general, but for himself, what it meant to be Spider-Man. And at the end of that movie, we saw him go through every single step that was needed for him to set himself up to be an excellent Spider-Man. So going into Across the Spider-Verse, what was going to be the tension where you have a guy who we already know he stepped into the role firmly of Spider-Man? Well, just because you're Spider-Man doesn't mean that you don't have problems. Honestly, Once you put on the Spider-Man mask, you're guaranteed to have even more problems. I mean, Spider-Man's never been rich, so it's not more money, more problems, but it's more powers, infinitely more more problems. So in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, we know that, hey, in Into the Spider-Verse, he dealt with several different Spider-Men from different universes and in across the spider-verse they said well how many more spider-man do you want do you want 10 do you want a hundred do you want a thousand 
And to every single one of those questions, the creators of this, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller said, yes. So we're now dealing with so many different Spider-Men in Across the Spider-Verse. And we have Gwen Stacy coming back. We have Peter B. Parker come back. And we're also being introduced to a Spider-Man that we saw in the previous movie at the end of it, which is Oscar Isaac's, you know, Miguel O'Hara, who is Spider-Man. And how now, because of everything that's happened, Spider-Men have united. They've formed their own league of Spider-Men. So where's the problems coming in? Why are we encountering all of these problems? And to that, I will say there's a lot in this movie that works. So much in this movie works. In fact, the hardest problem I had with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was actually finding things that I did not like about this movie. Not things that I liked. There were so many things I liked. The hardest part was finding something that I did not like. And I toiled over it for at least a day or two trying to figure out how do I write this honest review of this movie and not come across like a complete and utter fanboy? How do I say with every shred of sincerity what this movie is without compromising myself in terms of the quality of this movie? And the answer to that is, I can do that with a clear conscience. And the reason I can do that with a clear conscience is very, very easy. It's because this movie does everything in its power to be better than the previous installment. At almost every single turn, this movie is a tour de force of animation of voice acting, of story. This is the complete and utter package when it comes to an animated movie, when it comes to a movie in general. This is just that good of a movie. So thank you, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, for taking that burden off of my chest in regards to honestly reviewing this movie so let's let's really go into the good with this movie because i have a lot to gush about number one is the animation if you love the animation style from the previous installment you are going to continue to love this it feels like 
this movie found its voice in the first movie and instead of trying to change things and make them very different than the previous installment it feels like they simply refined what they were doing from that previous installment which works incredibly well in the previous movie in spider-man into the spider-verse with all the animation even though it was definitely animated and it definitely looked cartoony the thing that it always felt was it felt it was honest it felt it was honest to the story it was trying to tell it felt it was honest to the tone that it was conveying and overall it absolutely felt that it was consistent the quality did not dip in into the spider-verse in across the spider-verse that is completed and yet it's elevated everything looks a little bit sharper there's plenty of callbacks still in this movie however because of the overall tone of this movie it's slightly dialed back but not so much that you can't catch those differences and those little easter eggs when you might see the thwip from spider-man using his web or you might see a very funny sound effect that's popped out onto the screen just like you'd see in a comic book it all comes together incredibly well and it also accentuates the acting that you see on screen it accentuates the action that you see to an incredible degree when this movie is moving when it's going very very fast paced when it is truly in motion it feels effortless even though you know there's a lot of effort it never feels like there's too much happening on the screen for you to keep track of and also it feels like if i go back and i watch this movie a second a third a fourth time i'm going to catch something new in each and every single viewing which i find incredible because that's so hard for any movie to do and since it's so hard for any movie to do the fact that this does it with such a slick style just boggles the mind honestly when you have Miles Morales fighting against one of the or the main villain in this movie which is the spot the spots animations are incredible also the fight scenes with the spot take all of the screen up but it doesn't overcrowd anything which is what I really find interesting here. By playing to the strengths of the animation style that they use, this movie never feels like it slowed down because it did a misstep. It feels like there's always something happening even in the quiet parts. 
that are in this movie, which there are several, which are all just animated beautifully, where you feel like you can see every single twitch, every single facial tick. It all feels that it comes across natural and when they want to emphasize something, the emphasis using that comic book slash realistic style just makes all those moments even more fraught with either peril or sadness or joy. The color palette in this movie has increased to a another level in that when you go into different worlds, which you will be in this movie, it is across the Spider-Verse, you're going to see so many different color patterns. Each world has their own style that it tries to stay faithful to, and it does it to an absolute T. It is so, so good. I cannot understate. I cannot overstate how good this movie is in regards to its animation. Honestly, this is what we talk about when we say animation is important and to be consistent is key. This is what we talk about here. We talk about in a movie that all it is is animation. It never feels like they took a second off. It never feels like they did not pay the money or they did not pay attention and take the time needed in order to make this movie. When I complained last week about The Little Mermaid, you go watch this movie and I think you'll understand what I mean when I say the animation in this movie is just so much on another level that it really leaves no excuse for other movies, in my opinion. Now, moving on, we'll get to the voice acting in this movie. And trust me when I say the voice acting is just like the animation. It feels like they refined what they did in the first movie. They did not sit on their laurels and they got even better. And that starts with the lead of this movie, Shamik Moore. He plays Miles Morales. What I love about the way he plays Miles Morales is he never misses the emotional center of the character. Because at Miles Morales' core, he's still a 15-year-old kid. So even though he has a lot of responsibility, even though he even though his entire goal is to save people, even though he wants to be helpful, he wants to protect his city, protect the people of his city. He wants to be Spider-Man and he also wants to be there for his family, for his mom, for his dad. He still has those same insecurities that a young teenager would have so i love that throughout the entire movie he was able to infuse even in the strong moments of 
Miles Morales. And in the weak moments of Miles Morales, the character never felt like they were completely without their emotional center and their emotional compass. I don't know what other way to describe it except he was masterful in playing this character and just him being great would be one thing. However, when you go down the line of actors in this movie, when I say that there really isn't any weak roles in this movie, I truly mean that every single person who is in this movie from the smallest cameo to the secondary leads in this movie all do a great job of not only embodying their characters but giving them their own identity making them definitive and no one feels like they were an add-on no one feels like they were just thrown in there or that this movie could have worked without them it is a mark when every single character in your movie feels like you would have had a lesser movie if you did not have them and that's how this movie feels this movie feels like when you go down the list from Haley Steinfeld who reprises her role as Gwen Stacy Brian Tyree Henry who's Jefferson Morales who's Miles Morales's dad Luna Loren Velez who plays his mom Rio Morales you know you have Jake Johnson being as Peter B. Parker you have Jason Schwartzman who plays the spot who is the villain in this movie Issa Rae playing Jessica Drew Karn Sony who is playing another version of Spider-Man who when you see him he is both hilarious he is also endearing you know when you have Daniel Kaluuya who plays another version of Spider-Man who in his scenes I loved him because he didn't steal the show however he definitely was whenever he was on screen it seemed like yes he is absolutely 100% cool and the thing I loved is his Spider-Man who is Spider-Punk they did something very interesting where they made a very cool anti-establishment Spider-Man and they made that character not feel hypocritical they made that character feel like everything they do is a hundred percent what they preach every single move that Daniel Kaluuya's character made it felt like okay if you're an anti-establishment Spider-Man how would you act in these scenes and he didn't miss they no actor I think in this entire movie misses maybe if I watch it a dozen times I'll spot the misses but even when people react badly when they have 
the wrong reaction at the wrong time, it all feels genuine. It feels like they're playing to the character. And I think that's the highest, you know, I think that's the absolute highest mark that I can say about the people in this movie. They play up to the talent around them. They don't play down to the talent behind them. So when they're around great people, they elevate themselves even when they're in small roles. So everybody is firing at all cylinders because they absolutely can. And I I just, I absolutely love that. I loved all the acting in this movie. I could not find a bad performance. And that's, that's just incredible that I wasn't able to see one. I'm a very cynical person. So the fact that I couldn't find one is saying something. Now, one of the biggest marks I can say about this movie, I could talk a little bit more about the action. I can talk more about the story and how good that is. And I'll talk about that in a second. But the one thing that I do want to talk about is this animated movie does something that very few animated movies are able to achieve. And that is there were large segments of this movie where I forgot this was an animated movie. I know that feels weird to say. What I mean is that the animation in conjunction with the acting made me stop looking at these characters as these are animated characters. These are fictional people. And it just engrossed me in the story. It subsumed me. And in that way, it made me blur the line between real and what wasn't on such a level that only when the action was really going was I saying, yeah, this is great animation. And I was like, oh, this is animation. Yeah, because this is an animated movie. This isn't a real, this isn't a real life movie. This isn't a live action movie. Better way to say it, not real life. And I felt that way because when they would have the quiet moments, when they would have the moments where it's not about them running around and web slinging and catching bad guys, when it's just people talking, when it's just them having important segments in their life, they were so genuine and they came across as such powerful moments that even though I noticed the animation and there were times where the shading behind the moment would change so suddenly to fit the mood that it was masterfully done even if it was in the background you didn't focus on that you were just focused on what people were saying how they were reacting the great great acting that you were seeing on the screen the voice acting that was pitch perfect that's what you were focusing on and everything else just faded away until you were reminded 
of it and not in a bad way, not in a, hey, this is doesn't look great. Now you know it's an animated movie. It was, oh, right, the action is going. You're seeing things that you just can't see in a live action movie. This is animated. Of course, this is an animated movie. So that's just another thing I did want to talk about because it was just so impressive to see. Now, I did find one bad thing about this movie. Just one bad thing about this movie. But it is something that I think a lot of people are going to also feel the same way I felt. Which is, this movie ends on a cliffhanger. It is not a fully contained story. There is another movie that's coming out in 2024. However, I did not know that when I came into the movie theater. When I go watch movies, I try and only have a basic level of information simply so that way I can judge the movie on itself and not judge it based off of outside information or as much as I can. So when that movie hit, and it had already been going for over two hours at the point where they reveal, surprise, this is a cliffhanger to be continued. I was settled in and I think everybody else in that movie theater was ready to just say, oh, this is going to be like a three, three and a half hour movie. It was moving at that pace and we were all thinking, yeah, if it's going to be a three, three and a half hour movie, let's go. We are, we're down. Let's do it. But it wasn't. It was a to-be-continued where they're going to continue this in the next movie, which is Beyond the Spider-Verse, I believe the name is. So when that happened, I was in my chair shocked for like a good five minutes because it was so sudden and it came out of relative nowhere that it was it was just so impressive it really really was because i really wanted the movie to just continue and tell its story so when it told its story and it said hey to be continued we'll finish the story later it felt like somebody snatched the good book out of your hand right when you're in the middle of it right when you know it's going to get to that incredible part even though everything up to that was amazing and somebody snatched the book out of your hand put it on the bookshelf and they said now go to sleep you can read it tomorrow which was a gut punch to me however it just makes me want to hop in a time machine and travel to the future to see this movie right now to see beyond the spider-verse because it is so damn impressive it's just so good so my final thoughts for my for this part of the review is this there's no such thing as a perfect movie even when you talk about classics like citizen kane or you know all of these old movies like citizen kane grapes of wrath you know, Gone with the Wind, which I don't really like, to be honest. But even when you're talking about The Shining or 
you know, all these amazing movies that some of them even exist in the congressional library because they've become so tied to the lexicon, so enigmatic that they're to be preserved for as long as they can be preserved. Even with all of that, none of those movies are perfect. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is not perfect. I just can't find the flaws in this movie. It is so good. The action and the the action enhances the drama. The drama enhances the action. This movie has a lot of heart that it just wears on its sleeve and it's fully steps into its own and it says not only are we as good as into the spider-verse we're better than into the spider-verse and there's nothing you can do about it and honestly i didn't want to do anything about it because it was just that good i've not given a movie this yet this is my first michelin star and it is well deserved simply because it is so so good if you have the chance to go see it go see it in theaters you are not going to regret it don't bootleg this movie i everyone wants to everyone who can't see this movie should see this movie in theaters and if you can't then just wait i know it's going to be rough i know it's going to be painful but you deserve to see this movie in the best possible format, and that is on the big screen. So, this part right here, that's the end of my non-spoiler review. And this next part is going to be me talking about my spoiler review for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So, if you have not seen the movie... Please stop the podcast here. Come back to it after you've seen the movie. Because now I'm really going to dive deep into this movie. And I'm not going to hold back any of the interactions or characters or anything like that. So, I warn you again. Spoilers at this point. Okay? All right. So let's go into them. So in this movie, there are several themes that I love that were played by our main protagonists as well as our secondary characters. So one of the big themes that I love, one that's shared actually between Miles Morales and The Spot, funny enough, is they both want to belong. They both want to be accepted and to feel important. Now, with Miles Morales, with his Spider-Man, he has gone through that journey and he feels like he belongs, but he still wants to be accepted. Remember, at the end of Into the Spider-Verse, all the people who know that he's spider-man who knows what it's like to be spider-man have all left and they've been gone for a while now so 
he's still struggling to connect with people and talk with people, even those who know that he is Spider-Man in this movie, he can only interact with them at a certain level because while they may know he's Spider-Man, they don't know what it's like for him to be Spider-Man. And also in the movie, remember, Aunt May left the city. She moved. So even the one person who might be able to lean on in this universe, he can't go to her anymore. So he's very much seemingly isolated, but he is managing. However, with a character like The Spot, who's played amazingly by Jason Schwartzman, he's a guy who, because of what happened at the Alchemex Collider, he has become this supervillain, the spot, person who can generate portals and teleport his body or other people through. However, even though the spot has all of these incredible powers, when we see him at the beginning of the movie, he's very much a joke to everybody. He has this incredible power, but because he is just a regular guy, he's beaten pretty easily. He doesn't know his powers very well. He doesn't truly understand the magnitude of what they can do. When he finally does, however, he becomes a very terrifying villain in that he can do a lot of different things and it will take a lot of people at least the indication is it's going to take a bunch of spider-men to stop him because if he isn't he is going to wreck the universe or the spider-verse and i do love how jason schwartzman takes that character and turns him from being this guy who is a joke he is the guy who miles morales hit with the bagel he turns him from that into this absolute terrifying being that you know is going to be a problem and who miles is dead set on stopping because he wants to kill miles's dad to take everything from him to turn himself into miles's true nemesis which is wild when you think about it the heel turn that he took even though he was already a heel what i also love about this movie is how it can blend and push that even though you can have people who might be the hero they can still do things that are very questionable and that's what Miguel O'Hara's character is in this movie. He is Spider-Man 2099. He is a Spider-Man that has seen what can happen according to his words when people don't go according to their life's plan. You can change certain things. You can change a lot of things about people's life. But as Miguel reveals, hey, there are certain events that are quote-unquote canon to your life. And if they aren't changed, if you change those facets of someone's life, it can potentially destroy 
that entire universe. So if somebody has a canon event happening, Miguel O'Hara is like, hey, I'm going to let that one person die because that canon event is going to shape that person as well as it will stabilize the universe and save everybody else in there. And the thing I love about his character is even though you don't necessarily agree with what he is doing, you can definitely understand where he's coming from. As he talks about it in the movie, I've done the very thing you think I am warning against and I cost people their lives. That's why I am so strict in doing this. And he also reveals that because of the collider, because of the multiverse attack in the first movie, the spider that bit Miles was from a different universe. So in that universe, they don't have a Spider-Man simply because that spider bit him instead of biting somebody from the other universe, which is wild when you think about it like that. Also, they reveal that Miles is the original anomaly because they form this group of Spider-Men to find these anomalies and they're like, Miles is the biggest anomaly of them all about how he is the thing that spurred all of this into motion. And Miguel is like, I don't want to be anywhere near you because you're a ticking time bomb. And I love in this movie that even though you can perfectly understand where Miguel O'Hara is coming from, you don't agree with it. And he also gets called out when he sends Gwen back to her home universe. When they say, when Gwen tells everybody we're supposed to be the good guys. And Miguel is like, yeah, no, we, we are the good guys. You understand where he's coming from. You also understand that, hey, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And you might be on the road to hell right now. So I, I love that about his character. And I also am very interested to see what we get in the future. I love when Peter B. Parker comes in. When he comes in, he is all heart and he is just all heart and comedic impact. I absolutely love that. Also, I like how this version of Peter B. Parker is more in tune with himself. He got back with Mary Jane. He now has a kid. He's got Mayday Parker, who she also has Spider-Man powers, and he made her her own web shooters. She is super cute in this movie. It does make me question his parenting choices when he has her running around with a web shooter and he also includes her in chases. I do love the, the knit Spider-Man mask that she has where she just pulls it down and she's like, oh, Spider-Man time. So I'm not going to say he's a terrible parent. I'm just going to say he's pretty irresponsible. Like May should definitely take care of it. Mary Jane should definitely take care of that kid. 
they should have a multiversal daycare in this universe simply to take care of the children while they're off running being Spider-Man in different universes. I think that's a good idea. I also loved Spider-Man India, you know, when they had the Manhattan, but they had Manhattan as if it was a version of India. I loved it. I loved the character design for him. I love that he incorporated weapons into his design and the comedy felt fresh as well as just his entire vibe. That is something this movie does really well in that every single one of the Spider-Men that you see when it comes to Daniel Kaluuya's, you know, Spider-Punk, when it comes to Spider-Man India, when it comes to Jessica Drew that's played by Issa Rae, when it comes to Gwen Stacy, when it comes to any of the other Spider-Men that we see, you really do want to see those Spider-Men. You would love to see a full movie with them or even like a 30-minute episode just focused on them, no one else. So I, I really do enjoy that part. Also, to loop back to Gwen Stacy, I love how her character is really focused on in this movie and the choices that she makes where she runs away from home because her dad chooses to be a cop in the moment where she asks him to be her father and he chooses to be a cop and he's about to arrest her. I love how in that moment you could see right before she left how he realized he made the wrong choice. He realized that he was so shocked at what he saw that instead of trying to be compassionate, he chose to try and uphold the law. And in that moment, he lost his daughter and you could see the immediate regret on his face right before she left when she steeled herself that I'm just not coming back because I've lost everything and there's nothing to come back to. That also made the scene later on in the movie where she reconnects with her father. It made that all the more incredible simply because now she is back with her dad and her and her dad are now on that level of I can now talk with you I can now be understood by you which I absolutely loved so now at this point since I've talked so much and I've gushed about these characters let's let's theorize about what's going to happen in beyond the spider-verse obviously at the end of the movie we end it with Miles Morales's character finding out he's in the wrong universe because when the device sent him to his home universe it scanned his spider DNA which came from a different universe as we know a universe where there is no spider-man a universe where because there's no spider-man his dad in that universe died 
and he became the prowler along with his uncle being there to help him. So now he's stuck in that universe right now with no way of getting back to his universe. Gwen Stacy has formed her own group of Spider-Men to try and save Miles and also stop him from having anything bad happen. And Miguel is now on his way to make sure that Miles' dad essentially dies so that way a canon event can stay the correct way while we have all these other Spider-Men are now starting to wonder, are we becoming the bad guys? Are we no longer holding dear to what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man simply because we are now saying, oh, well, certain people can now die and that's fine. We shouldn't interfere. We should let these people die so that way we could save so many others. So in the next movie, I really think that we're going to see that reckoning of Miguel and what he is doing. I don't think they're going to take the easy route, though, and make Miguel into a full-blown villain, simply because it seems like he is coming from a place of genuine concern for everyone. It's not that he doesn't care about people. He does not want people to go through the same thing that he went through. Whereas he went to this different universe, lived this life, and had to watch the people who he grew to care about, that he grew to love, had to watch them all disappear. So I truly believe that with Miguel O'Hara, they're going to find a way to not necessarily redeem him, but definitely bring him and Miles on the same side. I'm also interested to see how they're going to resolve the spot because now at this point the spot has grown from being a minor villain to being a major threat not only to miles in his universe also he's become a threat to every universe he is going to be a problem that they are going to have to fix i also think we're going to learn some things about the multiverse and I don't think that what Miguel was saying was wrong I just think it's incomplete at a level that we are that we haven't really experienced before so I wouldn't be surprised if we got let's say a Madam Web to come into the next movie as well as to explain what the real trigger point is I wouldn't be surprised if we had a, I wouldn't be surprised if it was hinted that the spot who is now able to somehow see the future, if he's able to also see the past, then we find out that the whole reason that Miguel O'Hara's children and his family from this other universe, the whole reason that they were destroyed wasn't because of anything Miguel did, but because of what the spot did. Now that would be wild, but it wouldn't be crazy simply because the new powers that they've indicated with him. I'm also going to be interested to see how 
Miles gets out of his trouble. It's going to be real interesting to see if he can redeem the Miles Morales from that universe, the Prowler Miles Morales, and change his path and truly show that, hey, these trigger events don't need to stay trigger events. We can change things for the better. Or maybe the movie's going to take the hard stance and it's going to say, no, you can't change things for the better. Not everything can be changed for the better. Some things are only changed for the worse. I don't think the movie is going to go that way, though. The one thing that Lord and Miller have truly done in both of these movies is they've shown that they are able to subvert everything that we are thinking, even though from the trailers we knew that miles was going to come into conflict with this group of spider-man there's no way i thought that would be the problem with this group of spider-man that they were going to bring canon into it which was incredible by the way so i'm gonna put my money on they're gonna have an outside force interfering in it in the next movie we're gonna get potentially Madam Web, and I truly think that Miles is going to have one of those moments where he might lose somebody. I also think, however, that we're going to truly see him take the next step and become not only the best version of himself, because I loved his speech when he talked about him gaining the strength and he didn't know how strong he really was. I think we're going to see him fully step up and take the mantle of this is what Spider-Man is. Spider-Man has always been the character that tries his best to save everyone. He may fail at saving everyone, but he always tries to save everyone. He would even try and save his enemies. And I think that's at the core for who he is. So that's that's my spoiler talk for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Please let me know if you think any of these theories are wrong. If you think they're too outlandish. I would love to hear from you guys on that. And also let me know if you like the movie i really want to know what your thought is in regards to this movie and if it matches up with the original you know my opinion i think it does but maybe you have a different take on it and i would love to hear that take in the comments or in an email so let me know what you think thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode if you want to reach out to me you can find me in several places you can contact me on twitter at two sides coin you can find us on instagram at two sides of a coin that's t-w-o-s-i-d-e-z of a coin all one word you can email us at two sides podcast at gmail.com and you can listen to the podcast on podbean on spotify and also on apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about. And we'll talk to you later.